0: You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, So last week we talked about how we make room for peace. This week, um, as we learned in our candles, we're going to find out how we can make room for hope. How we can make room for hope. Uh, And for us, we kind of got thrown off a little bit this year. I don't know if you did either, but the way that Thanksgiving fell and the way it kind of automatically ran into December, it really threw us for a loop we kind of felt like we lost a week that we would normally have for getting a Christmas tree and putting up decorations. And so instead of doing that with what would have been last weekend, we just had a chance to get our Christmas tree yesterday. And so at least for us, everything felt a little late. Did anybody else not get a chance till this week to get their tree? All right, so a few of of you are with me. Um, And so we went out and we picked out our tree. And one of the first things that we did as soon as we got home was we didn't bring the tree in, we didn't get out all the decoration boxes, the very first thing that we did was we got out the tree stand and began to figure out where the tree would go. So in my mind, this is the logical order because before you can bring in the tree and start moving it around and before you can really get out the decorations in the boxes, you've got to know where the tree goes. And for us, our tree goes in our living room, which is the most used room every day, all day of our house. And so, To bring in a large tree meant that we had to begin to move and shift and make a plan of where things will go and and how things will be set up so we can accommodate the tree. My hunch is you had to make similar decisions too. Will we put it in the same spot we did last year? Will we put it in a new spot? And if we move it over here, where do the things go that are there? And so for us, the decision on where to place the tree is significant because it's going to impact most of our entire life over the next month. It'll change where this seat is and that chair and these toys and those toys. And so for us, making room for the tree meant making room in our lives for a tree. And the humorous part to me is that the first thing that comes in is the thing that we will never see again until we take everything else down. right? Because the stand comes in and then we get it where we want it and we put the tree in it and we anchor it in and then we put a tree skirt over it. And we forget about all of this here. Of course, this isn't the piece that we celebrate. This isn't the thing that makes Christmas for us. This is simply the sign and the symbol of what is to come. The placement of a tree stand tells us that things are about to change, that things will be different. It's a sign of anticipation of what's coming next. And so as we think about the season of Advent and how we make room, there are certain things that we are doing that help us to make room for what is coming next, to anticipate what is happening. And of course, this whole season celebrates the birth of a Savior Jesus who comes into our lives and who in a lot of ways brings in a tree stand and says, I've got this, now some things need to move around. And what I mean by that is as we accept Jesus and welcome him into our lives and we begin to follow him as our Lord and Savior, we begin to realize that the order and the the system and the priorities that we have placed in our life Are shifted and reordered, that our focal point changes, and that God reorients and moves our life around so that it's not our purpose being pursued, but that it's God's purpose being pursued. And so, of course, this isn't Christmas, but this indicates that Christmas is coming. And in the season of Advent, we recognize that Christmas is coming, but we also think about the anticipation of what God is doing in the world. And so in the season of Advent, I realize that's a term that may be familiar or perhaps may not be familiar to you. Uh, But we do three things in Advent from my perspective. The first thing that we do is we look back. Uh, We look at the Old Testament, and sometimes that confuses people to say, shouldn't we be reading the Christmas story? Why are we reading these obscure prophets with these obscure conversations that they're having? Well, the reason we look back to the prophets is because they talked about a time when God would send a Savior into the world and He would be the hope of the world. So in this season, we look back and we remember that God promised to send a Savior, and He did in the person of Jesus Christ, the baby in the manger. And we can say, God has fulfilled His promise. God can be trusted. Because the second half of Scripture tells us about a day when God will send Jesus again, to take everything in the world that we know is wrong and unjust and evil and turn the whole system around to bring a peaceful kingdom here on earth. And so while we're waiting for that, while we're anticipating it, and we know it's coming, but it's not here yet, we can say we know that God was faithful to send Jesus. We know that God will be faithful to send Jesus again. So in Advent, we realize that we are shaped by our past, and we are shaped by our future, and that helps us to know how to live in this time and in this season. And so for us, as we gather this morning, we're going to look together at uh, Isaiah chapter 11. Because Isaiah is one of those prophets of the Old Testament who looks ahead towards the Messiah, but he looks ahead at a very difficult time in the life of Israel. And what he writes in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, is he says that a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse and a branch will sprout from his roots. And so at this point in time, what he points to is that the hope of the Messiah in the time that he writes is about as hopeful as a tree stump. Right? That Israel's hope that the Messiah would come who is promised feels about as hopeful and as uh, exciting as the possibilities of what this tree stump can do, which, spoiler alert, is not a lot. When I look at this particular stump, we, we got this stump from um, the tree farm that we went to to get our tree, which was not a farm, it was a tent, but they made it look like a farm, and it was very nice, and I commend them for that. But I see two things when I see this stump. The first thing I see is that this is the cut down here where they uh, removed the tree from the place where it was rooted in the ground. And the second cut at the top here is where they cut it off from the rest of the tree that was above. And so quite frankly, this tree has been removed from its source of life and it's been removed essentially kind of from its purpose in life. And, And so this, to me, is not a picture of hope. And Isaiah is saying that the people of Israel feel about as hopeful as a tree stump of what God is going to do and about the promise of a Messiah, a stump. And so in that, you might wonder kind of what happened to get them to this place because there's a mention up here of someone named Jesse. And Jesse was someone through whom God made a promise that the Savior would come from his family tree, from his lineage. So in terms of our Bible history, Jesse was the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon. And these are kind of the heydays of Israel, when God is powerfully working in their lives, and the people could look to the house of King David, and they could see, here is a strong family. Here is a community, here is a group of people, here is a nation that we could see something significant coming from. In those days, in the days of Jesse... In the lineage that was there early on, they could see a tall, proud tree. Something that they could hang the things on the branches of. Something that they could place their hope in. But as time went on, that united kingdom of of King David uh, fractured into two different kingdoms, the, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel. And not long after that division, the northern kingdom was was destroyed and basically taken over. And the southern kingdom was still continuing, but it would have a series of a good king that followed God and then a king that didn't follow God, then a king that followed God and one that didn't and so on and so forth. And so God sent the prophets, people like Isaiah, to those kings and to those kingdoms essentially to say, if you will turn your hearts back to God, if you will Orient your life and the life of this kingdom towards God, then God will continue to work with you. But if you continue to pull away, you remove yourself from God. And so these prophets come and they bring these messages that they hope are hope filled, but I'm sure sometimes it feels like they're just speaking into nothing. And so things have fallen apart, and I think what happened for the people of Israel is they had to wait a long time for the promise, and it didn't seem like the promise was coming. And while the tree was mighty and exciting in the days of King David, we are generations and generations and generations beyond that when Isaiah is writing. And that is what the hope of a Messiah looks like. And the hope of the people is waning or completely lost. If we were to define hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen then quite clearly that is something that the Israelites do not have. And I think it's hard to make room for hope when it requires that we wait over a long period of time. I used to find it very hard to wait a week and a half for a package to come in the mail. And now I get a little bit upset when Amazon tells me two days for delivery and it's not going to be the same day. And I think, well, how am I supposed to wait two days for this package, right? I mean, that's a short-term hope that, it, that can be challenging to us. What we're talking about here is generations and generations and generations beyond the original promise. And I think we can understand why their hope was waning. And why it seemed like the promise that was exciting has come to that. And this makes sense for the season too because the Christmas season is exciting and beautiful and wonderful and we get to bring in elements like like Advent wreaths and and Christmas trees in our homes and we get parades and we get things that are exciting and fun. And it is the most exciting time of the year. But it can also be the most difficult time of year for people. And perhaps we misunderstand how many people struggle in some way, whether large or small, in the season of Christmas because so much of what is kind of presented to us is, no, no, everybody's happy, everybody's loving this, right? But the reality is, is that Christmas can be hard for us for a lot of reasons. For example, one of the re- things that can change the season uh, is the loss of a loved one. And the first Christmas after that loss simply means that life is going to be radically different. And the first Christmas is the hardest, but the second Christmas is still different, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. And so while everyone else may be excited, Christmas calls to mind the memories of what was and the reality of what is. I think in the same way, too, that uh, lives and traditions can change as kids grow up and perhaps go to college or go off to different phases, their their excitement about the family traditions of Christmas can change, too. And so perhaps as parents, you, you can see what you had done, but you realize that it becomes different. And so while things aren't bad, it's just a different tradition than it used to be. Or like a community like this, where most of us have moved here within a short period of time, there's simply all the different things. So all of the places that you used to go, the parade that you used to watch in this place, or, or the holiday event that they did over here, or the Christmas pageant that you could count on, you're in a new place. And while the traditions may be there, they're all new to you. And so what this might mean for us as a community is that we're all in a new place. And while that may not be bad, it's simply different. And it's a change from what we used to know. So I think for a lot of reasons, this can be a difficult season where where hope can feel like it begins to wane. And maybe it's the way that that the darkness comes sooner and the nights are longer, but it seems to shine a light on any area of our life where we Need God's help, where we need something fixed, where we need to be restored or healed or redeemed. And something about this season just casts a large light on those areas. And it can often feel very alone and isolating because we think that everyone else around us is just having the merriest Christmas ever. And I think when we're honest, we realize that for all the joy of the season, it can be a very challenging season too. I think the more that we give voice to those places of darkness, the more we can find the light. And so I recognize that for many people and for many of us that there may be some stumps in our lives and in our season. And reasons why we can say to ourselves, my hope isn't what it could be or should be or used to be. My hope feels a lot like this stump. And so I want to continue with the message of Isaiah this morning and to see what this stump can become. Isaiah, in writing in chapter 10, or sorry, chapter 11, says this, "...a shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, a branch will sprout from its roots. The Lord's Spirit will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord." Now remember, Isaiah is, is looking ahead to what is to come, but is not yet. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. He will break the lips and he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips and faithfulness The belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole, and toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere. On my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the people. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. And so, what Isaiah looks ahead to is a day when a shoot will spring up from this stump. To a day when something comes from this that naturally should not. That something will happen because God helps it to be so that we did not expect. And that rekindles our hope no matter how lost or how much it struggles. That God will bring up a shoot from what otherwise was dead and over. And of course, this is the story of Christmas. That all the waiting is found on that night. And just to remind us of the point, in Matthew chapter 1, in the genealogy, we see that, so there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile to Babylon to the Christ, from the exile to Babylon to the Christ. So essentially what he's saying is from the original promise in David to the birth of Jesus are two sets of 14 generations which is 28 generations, right? I'm not good at quick math on the fly. How many of you know 28 generations back in your family tree? Right, five, a few more, yeah, a few less. Imagine knowing that the promise will come 28 generations from where you stand today. And I think we can understand why it's hard to hold out hope as the people did. But I hope at the same time what we can see is that even in a time period when most of us would have said, look, this thing isn't going to happen. If God was going to send a Savior, it would have happened by now. We can look back and we can see that God was faithful to what he promised. That God was faithful to what he promised. And Matthew continues a few verses later and says, Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And quite frankly, you can sum up the entire Bible, the entirety of Scripture, the entirety of Christian history, the entirety of the world with those three words, God with us. Everything that God has done from the very beginning of the book to the middle to the places where hope waned into the New Testament, into our life today, is to try to find a way to connect humanity back to God. Everything that God is about is helping us to know that God is with us. In every generation, at every time, this morning too. For us to know that God is with us, that we are not alone, that despite how circumstances might look or how things might look in our life or in the world, that God is with us. Emmanuel. And so, with that hope, With Jesus, Isaiah tells us that the entire world will be transformed, that relationships and systems will be changed, that those who always found themselves at the top, that those systems will be flipped and turned over, and all of a sudden those who are always left to the bottom rungs of society will be the ones who are lifted up. And the ones who lifted themselves up, that those are the ones who will be humbled. And so Isaiah tells us that in Jesus' day, that those whole things will be done. And of course, we can see that in Jesus' life, he found ways to lift up the lowly, to give purpose to those who were outcast, to bring justice for those who have been oppressed and dealt with unjustly. And we could see that as that sprout came up, as that baby was born in the manger, that hope was born that night, as we sing. And so in Advent, what we do is order our lives in such a way where we make ourselves ready for the hope that we do not yet see, we orient our lives, we move things around, and we shift the focal points in the rooms of our lives so that we can make room for hope. Make room for hope. But of course, in time, this little sprout grew into something much more significant, even much more significant than this little tree. That sprout grew into a full tree. And with Jesus Christ on earth, what people found was that he was the Messiah, that the actions that he did matched. And so in Jesus, they found that he was someone that they could hang their hopes on, that they could hang the hope that the world would look different than it does now, that people who were overlooked would be cared for by God, that new life was possible, that the idea that things were over, or life was over, was not the case. What people found in Jesus was that he was someone that they could hang their hopes on, that he was sturdy enough and strong enough to carry these, that indeed, he was God with us. And so I think our trees and our tree stands and all of these things can be ways that God is getting our attention to say, you can hang your hopes on me this Christmas. As I said earlier, if hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen, the picture that Isaiah gives us is a hope-filled picture. It's one that invites us to wait in the patience as hard as that can be. It's one that tells us that the Messiah was born and the promise of God was fulfilled, and so we can trust and believe that God is still with us and still fulfilling promises. And I think it's going to challenge us two ways, at least this morning. Personally, the message of Isaiah invites you and I to consider how might we make room for God this Christmas season. Your calendar probably looks a lot like mine, and we are full last week. We are full this week. We're going to be full through Christmas Eve. We're going to have like a little quick, quiet week, and then we're going to be full again, right? I mean, this is a busy season. I don't have to tell you. The hardest thing to do in this season is to make room for God in our lives. And yet, the most impactful thing that we can do is to make room. And so I think the more we can recognize the places where we're struggling or where co-workers or friends or family are struggling around us in this particular season, the more we can recognize that everything isn't bright and shiny, but that there is darkness, the more we can open ourselves up to see the light of God shining in the world. Still today. And so the challenge for us this morning is to move things in our life, to shift our focus so that we can bring in the stand and we can bring in the tree and we can find a space for Jesus in our life this season. And I think this is also going to challenge us socially to look forward and to not give up hope on a future that can be different than what it is. And actually, I wanted to kind of highlight what a couple of those differences will look like. And you may say to yourself as we read these, that's not how the world looks today. Perhaps the world today around us looks more like a stump, and we wonder how things can be different. But Isaiah promises a day when, for example, people won't be judged by appearances nor decided by hearsay. And when I think about this, when I think about our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, And so much of how peers see each other is by appearances and by what others say about them. And so we look forward, hopefully, to a day when God will change that so that we see each other's hearts and not how we present ourselves. But that God will decide with equity for those who suffer. And maybe we don't like the language of striking the violent and killing the wicked, but what Isaiah is showing us is that usually what makes someone or something violent is because it strikes something else. And so what he's doing is saying the entire system turns around. And so where there was violence, that will be no more. He talks about a time when the wolf will lie with the lamb, not usually friends, right? When the leopard will lie down with the young goat, when the calf and the young lion will feed together, again, not usually friends, and a little child will lead them. Of course, in those days, children were not parts of society. They were not people who were essentially valued in the same way that an adult or even an adult male in those days was valued. And here Isaiah is saying, the person who will lead you in this is a child. We know the child will be Jesus. Reminds us to make room for children and to be expectant of God to work in ways we don't expect. He goes on to list the different ways about children playing over snakes holes and toddlers reaching over the serpent's den, and that pretty much freaks me out as a parent. Right? And he says that they won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. And so let us never give up on a hope-filled future that looks forward to a day when the polarization that we see in our politics, and our life, between neighbors, and we say, there's no way these things can ever be reconciled. Let us never let our hope wane and give up so much that we don't believe that God can still bring up a sprout that can change everything and to believe that that is what God will do. So today for us is a reminder that God was faithful to send Jesus. He was faithful to raise him back from the dead. He was faithful in all of those ways and he will be faithful at some point, even if it's generations from now to reorder this entire world in a way where peace and justice rule. And so because of that, I want to encourage us this morning that whatever stump you may see in your life, whatever challenge you may be going through this Christmas, anywhere that you can look around and say, this isn't right, this isn't as it should be, and maybe you know how to fix that, and perhaps you don't. Let us remember the hope-filled promise that one day God will bring forth a sprout from a stump. And my little illustration here is contrived, but I got this picture from a friend as a reminder that this clear-cut stump that is clearly dead, one season happened to bring forth a sprout. And so maybe there's someone who needs to snap that picture and make it your desktop screensaver or on your iPhone, but I think for all of us this can be a reminder that in this season we make room for hope. And we reorder our lives around that principle. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.